One is the famous cartoon Disney remake of The Arabian Nights. The other has more uncanny CG than the entirety of the early 2000s. Aladdin. They remade it again and again. I come from a land, from a faraway place Where the caravan camels roam Where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense It's barbaric, but hey, it's home When the wind's from the east and the sun's from the west And the sand in the glass is right Come on down, stop on by, hop a carpet and fly to another Arabian night. Arabian night, like Arabian days. More often than not, are hotter than hot in a lot of good ways. Arabian night, need Arabian a fool off his guard could fall and fall hard out there on the dunes. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of They Remade It. I'm your host, Stuart. And I'm your host, Jacob. Here we are, end of another good old season, doing another kind of big tentpole classic. Oh, yeah. Maybe not as controversial as Godfather, but, you know, still still something. We work it in there. And God, what is this, like our, our fourth... Disney animated feature episode. Yeah, yeah, I think right about it's, and I doubt they're going to slow down any. Oh no, we we have at least like three other live action ones that we can cover soon, and that's not even like taking into account like the long awaited like direct to video sequels that they made for a lot of those. Oh god, (laughs) truly, we are. Sisyphus with a boulder made of Disney Disney schlock. Right out of the vault. We just need to do like a rapid fire episode one time where it's just like us and it's just like the really big like classics like Cinderella and then all the fucking like straight to video sequels. And then we just do like <laughs> 10 of those in an episode. <laughs> just to get them out of the way. You've mentioned something similar to that before yeah it just it, so it's just it, it, it's, it just feels like it'd be a waste to do a whole episode on like you know jafar comes back or whatever yeah fox and the hound too mm-hmm. <laughs> bambi too the mom isn't dead <laughs> she's resurrected <laughs> bambi of the dead zombie well well speaking of schlock and the things we have to watch on a regular basis uh i might go this first this time around since you mentioned you had a longer list and i have i'm pretty sure literally just one now that i really think about it um it was up you know uh the classic disney movie that always makes me cry (laughs) oh okay um yeah i watched it with my girlfriend for the first time we ever watched it together weirdly enough but was despite how much we you know idolize that movie together so you know tears were shed on both parts yada yada we're saps that's good (laughs) renewed appreciation for ed asner i hope after covering him in our last episode yes absolutely and like i kind of i kind of realized that midway through i was like oh yeah this guy (laughs) um yeah no i mean 
what all can I say about it? I still adore it to pieces. Um, you know, I still defend that the first 10 minutes of their movie are better than basically every other love movie, love story movie ever made. So. Oh, no, there it's it's fantastic. Uh, that's something else we've brought up on the show before that, like, I think that Up is a decent movie. I just think that the first 10 minutes are so fantastic that the rest of the movie just drags it down. Yeah, just a, just a touch. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's about it. I've been playing games and stuff. Um, I actually ended up picking up the DLCs for Control after I remembered you had actually mentioned them a while back on another episode. Um, and I just I had wanted to play through the game again, so I was like, okay, let's just do this. Oh, yeah. I've just been I've been on such a just a paranatural, paranormal like kick lately. I've mentioned before in the past that I'm actually um, running a Monster of the Week campaign for myself um, and a few friends, including my girlfriend. And I've just been basically completely enamored in just kind of like, you know, cryptids and supernatural and crazy shit all the time. And so it's like, I can't really kick it now. <laughs> like, literally, I was telling hannah about control and it's like okay so you're this person in this facility that houses a bunch of paranormal entities and she's just looking at me at like as if i am not describing two or three distinct plot points in the game i myself am writing <laughs> so it's like oh yeah i'm a hack aren't i <laughs> um but yeah if you're no, gonna imitate imitate the best yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty fantastic. It's, of course, I'm trying I'm playing through the one DLC that references Alan Wake, and I've never played it before, and I don't really want to. And so it's just like, okay, I see a lot of stuff that they're doing, but it's like I feel like I'd appreciate it more if I'd actually you know done that. So, oh yeah, definitely all these references, mm-hmm. like these two these two elder men that are just named after Norse gods, and I did like. 20 to 30 minutes of like looking it up and watching videos afterwards because I was like, I didn't follow any of that. Yeah. I, I gotta say for the, like the folks behind those games, I really want to love their stuff more, but at a certain point it is just like, okay, maybe a bit like, I know it's meant to be show don't tell, but tell a little bit more. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, I, I get it. But like, I still don't actually understand the plot of control all that much or like how her the main character's powers work and everything. I'm still just like ninety percent sure at best. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I get it's that. more like it's more like seventy percent if I'm honest. But uh, but yeah, that is pretty much it. I know the game awards are going on tonight, so I'll look. I'll tune into that drama later. Yeah, I'll just look up what what won tomorrow and as if that'll mean anything. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to say it. I have not seen it. I have not seen any results now. I'm going to preemptively say Hades got robbed. Because <laughs> I know it's going to happen. It's possible. Uh, I played so little like new content this year that I don't even know what's going to be up. I'm, I'm aware of a lot of the AAA stuff, but it's yeah. just a blur in my mind. These past eight months have been nothing. Yeah. And, you know, Cyberpunk came out officially today and all I'm hearing is more and more like controversy around it it's like man this guy's really don't catch a break huh yeah it's like yeah it's just like all the glitches and everything it's like this shit has been in development for eight and a half years and you've been working your developers to the breaking point what the fuck have you guys been doing <laughs> they've been d- doing a million sliders for character creation which i bet if you go onto youtube and look up any 
Let's Play video that has just come out for Cyberpunk. They have a 45 to 50 minute episode one that is just creating character. Apparently, actually, the character size and everything, it's not that much. Really? <laughs> it's apparently like like they like the big controversy and i swear we'll get back to the actual episode i know it's just tangent cast now but it's just like apparently there's all this big shit about like oh you get to customize your your fucking junk and everything or you're like how big your tits are or whatever the fuck and it's like they ended up being like the smallest penis size is still five inches it's like okay what was the point of this like i know it's meant to be like you know for like more a deeper understanding of your own personal gender identity but at the same time, someone even pointed out in it that, A, your voice, like, whatever voice actor or actress you have is determines what your pronouns are, which, like, that alone is kind of controversial, is kind of, like, not great, and that you can only be a he or a she. And then they pointed out that there are gender-specific haircuts, and someone literally pointed out, so this game with the name Punk in it has gender-specific haircuts, which officially makes it less punk than Animal Crossing. <laughs> which is like oh, oh don't bring up don't bring up animal crossing and haircuts though <laughs> why <laughs> oh did you not see all that huge shit storm on twitter uh D- we don't dude, have to get it yeah dude like that that phrase alone I, is I like know. you could just say you could just say that thing on twitter i would assume it's a shit storm i know we won't get into it that is not the episode, but wow, that slider thing, that is fucking embarrassing. Apparently, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> God, all this shit, and it's just like, the, the lack of care that they've really put into it. It's just like, oh, look, at gender identities and everything, and then it's like, the most vague and like, not actually great gender identities discussion in it. It's like, okay, I can kind of see where the transphobic stuff came up early in the year. Woo! What a title. Yeah. Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> you had stuff to watch. Yes, I watched a shit ton. Uh, so uh, um, when I say shit ton, I mean shit ton. So I'm just literally, I'm literally just gonna go through it all in a big list, and then maybe touch on one or two things after the fact. Oh, okay. Uh, just for, I think that's much easier. Um, so I have the Disney thing I've been going on this year. Uh. And, you know, priming for this final episode, I was like, oh, well, I might as well get back on that. And I am almost done now. <laughs> I think I have like 10 and I will try to watch them all before the end of your wrap up show. Um, Already. <clears throat> but so I watched 101 Dalmatians, The Jungle Book, The Aristocats, Robin Hood, The Rescuers, which this was my first time seeing that one. Uh, the Fox and the Hound, The Little Mermaid, The Rescuers Down Under, The Lion King, Pocahontas, Mulan, and Chicken Little. Uh, <laughs> really, really rounding out the end there. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. You know what? I, I watched that and it's weird because when Chicken Little came out, I loved it because I was a fucking, I was in like fifth grade or something. My whole class loved it. Uh, and I watched it just a couple of years later, and I saw how garbage it was, and I haven't touched it since. And going back to it now, uh, it it actually has some decent jokes and some decent writing uh, in it, I think. The main sins, I think, are that every character in the movie is hideously ugly, <laughs> um, partially because it's like that early, uh, that early CGI that is not even remotely Pixar-related. 
Yeah. Uh, and every character in that movie is just so horribly unlikable. I don't even mean like uh, they're annoying. It's just like everyone is mean for no reason. And everyone, including many of the main characters, are just selfish and don't learn anything. Um, it's yeah, it's just it's it's unlike it really makes the movie hard to sit through, I think. <laughs> Uh, just when everyone is just a horrible asshole. Some some hot takes from the, from the good old Chicken Little. <laughs> yeah, thinking back on that movie, that movie really is strange. And didn't Spielberg have something to do with it? You know what? If he did, that w- I have no idea. If he did, that would shock me. Um, yeah, for some reason, like I remember, like there's some level of like Spielberg's involvement because there's a scene where they just show a scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark and it's like oh yeah they do at the very beginning there's he like knocks over a water tower and it rolls around the city and then it rolls through a movie theater as the scene where Indy is running from the boulder yeah and it like busts through the screen so I mean that level of involvement and like trying to gain rights to show that which I wonder because that I mean it's Spielberg but it's also Lucas because isn't that a Lucasfilm production maybe oh yeah, yeah yeah i think it is yeah and disney didn't own that at that time but they may have been in talks at that point because a lot of those deals take a long time i i don't know i also just know that like spielberg has been connected to the weirdest shit like remember that boom blocks game yes i do on the wii it's like what the like spielberg was involved with that shit like what the hell <laughs> he likes he likes uh putting stuff out there and that game did win awards i remember Oh yeah, no, I love uh, the hell out of it. It's just it's weird to think about. No, I agree. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a. Uh, it's quite the list there, bud. <laughs> yeah, and um, oh, uh, there was something else that I watched. What was it? It wasn't Disney. Oh yeah, uh, Wallace and Gromit: The Curse of the Were Rabbit movie. Oh. The Ardman picture. Yeah, I remember I that was one. Just yeah. Just thinking about it, I threw it in there. It's also obviously animated, and it's still pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the interesting thing, really, is that now with this list, I think, because I already watched Hercules a couple of months ago, um, the only Disney film from the 90s that I have left is Tarzan, which I've gone on record before saying I... Don't I remember very little about it, but it was the first movie I ever saw in theaters that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, it's all like all that's left is two thousands and two thousand ten stuff, and I've seen maybe like three of them. <laughs> so it's it's going to be a lot of uh, movies I haven't seen before that I'll be watching for the first time. Alrighty, I wish you luck with that. I do not have your endurance. Yes, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm definitely picking a less lofty goal uh, for the end of your show this time around. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot imagine I'll come up with an any goal again, <laughs> or if, yeah. if I even had one the first time, I can't even remember. I think you did. I would have to go back and listen to it, but it was probably more general, which is the wiser thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah. This has been a this has been a fuck fest of a year, y'all. Like. <laughs> It's just, if I had intentions at the beginning of it, they are vastly gone now. Things change. Things are different. Uh, but uh, going off of that, uh, you know, things I've watched, there was one other film uh, film that I watched that I didn't touch on. 
uh, as part of my Disney Disney kick, and that's uh, what we're talking about today. I intentionally left it out for obvious reasons. Yes, because, you know, obviously, it's Aladdin, and this will be the third and fourth time we've watched this story, so that'll be interesting. <laughs> Let's see if I can remember anything. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, Alibaba had them 40 thieves. Sherry's out, he had a thousand tails. Master, you in luck, cause up your sleeves, you got a brand of magic never fails. You got some power in your corner now. It's heavy ammunition in your can. You got some punch in the Yahoo and how, say all you gotta do is rub that lamp. And I'll say, Mr. Alonzo, what will your pleasure be? If you take your order, jot it down. You ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> Is your restaurant and I'm your manager. Come on, whisper what it is you want. You ain't never had a friend like me. Yes, sir. We pride ourselves on service. You're the boss, the king, the shine. Say what you wish, it's yours. True dish about a little more boggling bar. As I'm a column A, try all of column B. I'm in the mood to help you, dude. You ain't never had a friend like me. No, no. Can your friends do this? Can your friends do that? Can your friends pull this? Of their little hands. Can your friends go poo? Well, look at here. Can your friends go abracadabra? Let it rip! And then make the sucker disappear. Don't you think that's like your bunny eye? You got me bone out feet ass satisfied. You got a genie for a child to fail. I got a power bar to help you out. So what you wish, I really wanna know. You got a list that's three miles long, no doubt. Well, all you gotta do is rub like so. Mr. Alancer, have a wish up two or three. I'm on the job. You big neighbor, you ain't never had a friend, never had a friend. You ain't never had a friend, never had a friend. You ain't never. So, as this is obviously a direct remake, I will simply be doing the plot synopsis of the 1992 rendition, but then I will be giving the more significant differences that were, for the most part, just added in for the 2019 version. There are a few notable ones, but nothing major, so the plot's basically identical. So, starting off with the 1992 film, directed by John Musker and Ron Clements, we open on Jafar, played by Jonathan Freeman. He is the royal vizier of the fictional city of Agrabah, placed near the River Jordan. And alongside him is his parrot, played by Gilbert Gottfried, Iago. The two are seeking a magical lamp within the hidden cave of wonders. They are told by only one such person is worthy to enter, a quote, diamond in the rough, unquote, whom Jafar later identifies as Aladdin, played by Scott Wagner. Um, the, a young street urchin, kind of like young adult type, uh, living within Agrabah. Along the way, as we follow him, he encounters Jasmine, played by Linda Larkin, who is the princess of Agrabah, 
but who is hiding out in the city, just trying to kind of look around and have fun because, you know, princess isn't allowed to leave the castle, yada, yada, yada. We've all been here before. So, eventually, they, she runs into Aladdin and his pet monkey, Abu. The palace guards quickly capture Aladdin on Jafar's orders, but Jasmine confronts Jafar to demand Aladdin's release, but he lies and said that Aladdin had already been executed. Now disguised as an old man, Jafar frees Aladdin and Abu and brings them to the cave, ordering them to retrieve the lamp. After being told to not touch anything but the lamp, Aladdin finds a magic carpet inside and obtains the lamp. Yeah, just, just pretty straightforward. Forgetting the cave's rule, Abu gra grabs a very illustrious red jewel. Aladdin, Abu, and the carpet rush to escape as the cave collapses around them. Aladdin gives the lamp to Jafar, who throws him and Abu back into the cave, though not before Abu steals the lamp right back from him. Trapped, Aladdin rubs the lamp and meets the genie who lives inside, played by the late and one and only Robin Williams. The genie grants Aladdin three wishes. Aladdin tricks the genie into freeing them all from the cave without using one of those wishes, however. He uses his first official wish to become a prince to woo Jasmine and promises to use his third wish to free the genie from his servitude. At Iago's suggestion, Jafar begins to plot to become sultan by marrying Jasmine. Aladdin, now Prince Ali Ababwa, arrives in Agrabah with a large host, but Jasmine becomes angry when he discusses her fate with her father, the sultan, and Jafar without her. As a means of apologizing, Aladdin takes Jasmine and a ride on on the magic carpet. You know, the a whole new world song. Yeah, you, you, you guys know it. When she deduces his true identity, he convinces her that he only dresses as a peasant to escape the stresses of royal life. After Aladdin brings Jasmine home, the palace guards capture Aladdin on Jahar's, Jafar's behest and throws him into the sea. The genie appears and saves him at the cost of a second wish. Aladdin returns to the palace and exposes Jafar's evil plot. Jafar flees after spotting the lamp and thus discovering Aladdin's true identity. Fearing that he will lose Jasmine if the truth is revealed, Aladdin breaks his promise and refuses to free the genie. Iago steals back the lamp, and Jafar becomes the genie's new master. He uses his first two wishes to become Sultan of Agrabah and the world's most powerful, powerful sorcerer. He then exposes Aladdin's identity and exiles him, exiles him, Abu, and the carpet to a frozen wasteland. They escape and return to the palace. Because, you know, I could go into it more, but that, that's just kind of it. Jasmine tries to help Aladdin steal the lamp back, but Jafar notices and overpowers the heroes with his magic. Aladdin taunts Jafar, for, however, for being less powerful than the genie, tricking Jafar into using his last wish to become an all-powerful genie for himself. Now, bound to his new lamp, Jafar ends up trapped inside it, taking Iago with him. With Agrabah now returned to normal, the genie banishes Jafar's lamp and advises Aladdin to use his third wish to regain his royal title, so the law allow will allow him to stay with Jasmine. Aladdin decides instead to keep now fulfill his promise and frees the genie from his servitude. Realizing Aladdin and Jasmine's love, the Sultan changes the law to allow Jasmine to marry whom she chooses. The genie leaves to explore the world while Aladdin and Jasmine start their new life together. So, going over to the 2019 film, directed by, of all people, Guy Ritchie, there really aren't a whole lot of major plot differences, but there's a lot of extra bits that they kind of just added in. For one, Jasmine actually gets her own song at one point, which was okay. I, I, it didn't really add or detract anything. Um, there's a bigger focus on actually um, 
uh, Jasmine trying to become the first female sultan herself of Agrabah. Uh, Jafar is a bit more devious throughout this. He's not as, you know, prone to do disguises and everything. Plus, he suspected that, um, you know, Aladdin was disguised as Prince Ali right from the beginning. And so it's just a lot of stuff, like, kind of just dealing with his character. Um, and then it also kind of has a bit more of a focus on the genie's relationships. Like, he ends up falling in love with a handmaiden of uh, Jasmine, who herself, this handmaiden herself even has kind of her own character. Um... But other than that, that's pretty much the main stuff. Uh, like, Iago doesn't really talk as much. In this one, he's very much more just a normal parrot. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the extent of it. Um, I'll just go ahead and go through the cast list. This time around, the genie is played by Will Smith. Aladdin is played by Mena Masood. M- Masood? I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not positive. I apologize. Princess Jasmine is played by Naomi Scott. Uh, Jafar is played by Marwan Kenzari. The Sultan, played by Navid Negaban. Negaban. Thank you. Um, And Dahlia, the Handmaiden, is played by Nassim Pedrad. Oh, and uh, I guess technically, like, Iago is also voiced by Alan Tudyk, but, like, fucking, it's it's hardly worth mentioning at this point. Also, also, apparently, Frank Wilker came back to do uh, Abu. He did. And And the Cave Cave of Wonders. (laughs) We'll be talking about him. In uh, full circle, definitely. Woo! Because Frank Wilker, Frank Wilker, as anyone who's watched anything ever will know, has been doing things in Hollywood since the mid-60s and is one of the go-tos for creature and animal noises. So, Evidently. He is everywhere. I'm guessing in a lot of our stuff, too. <laughs> definitely. Hoo boy. Let's go. So, for full circle, uh, the list is actually pretty heavy this time around, so we're going to go through four uh, sort of definitive ones, and then I'm going to rapid-fire list all of the others, because it, woo, is it, is it, is it a lot? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I figured we would with this one. Uh, yes, possibly. I, uh, but uh, for, firstly, we have uh, Scott Weinger, who plays Aladdin in Aladdin. Uh, and he also dubbed the voice of Atlas in 2001's anime film Metropolis. What? I believe we even mentioned it in the episode. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember that now. We didn't touch much on Atlas because a lot of his involvement in the story was next to nothing. Which one was uh, he? He was like the he was like the leader of the revolution or something, wasn't he? Exactly. That yes, was the it. revolution, which like takes up maybe 10 minutes of the entire film which i am only just now realizing means he shares a name with the revolutionary character from bioshock oh that's true is that of all the things to reference (laughs) i'm wondering if that's the case or if it is more just a they're just pulling from some greek greco-roman ties or ayn rand (laughs) or i yes everything (laughs) Let's not talk about her. Instead, yeah. <laughs> let's, talk, <laughs> let's get that shit let's out of here. Let's talk about Hal Smith, who has showed up in Full Circle once before. He is the voice of Jafar's horse in 92's Aladdin. Okay. He is also the voice of Philippe, 
the horse in 91's <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. So two Disney horses only a year apart. Why is it so much? Why why couldn't they just get like horse sound effects? Like horses are really loud. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They couldn't. They they got one and it wouldn't winnie or something. I don't know. Uh, but more importantly, in the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh seventy seven, he was also owl, which is an actual role. Okay, still animals though, which is interesting. Still animals, yes. God, Disney <laughs> just really does, like, every time you just start looking at the characters and everything and, and voice actors, you're like, you start to get, get this weird idea of, like, how many of them just play animals, and it's like, okay. <laughs> we need a we need a dog and a kitten to, like, playfully bark and meow at each other. So, get Frank Welker and Dee Bradley Baker in here to do it. Don't ask them about their personal lives, for the love of God. <laughs> please don't please uh, leave, leave that we out, on- out in the hall we honestly don't know what it is but we don't want to risk it uh next we have jim cummings classic uh, who pretty obviously is Razul the guard in 92's aladdin uh that's one of his default voices which he, he's a good voice actor but sometimes you can just hear a voice and you're like well that's just jim cummings talking yeah yeah, yeah. um and uh he he is the new official voice of Pooh and Tigger, which we saw in 2011's Winnie the Pooh. Yes. Lovely man. <laughs> and I teased it a bit, but Frank Welker is Abu Raja in the Cave of Wonders in both Aladdin 92 and Aladdin 2019. So uh, he's the only <laughs> the only actor to ha- retain all of his roles from the original film in the new one. Yeah, that's impressive, um, honestly. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, he was—he also played the voice of the footstool in 91's Beauty and the Beast, which, if you'll remember, is just a fucking dog. Um, and uh, it's not specified, but he did additional vocal effects in 2010's Alice in Wonderland, uh, the Tim Burton one. Huh. So weird shit. Yep. I'm guessing. I'm guessing animals. Probably animals or animal-esque creatures. Yeah. Um, so now the interesting part, everyone I am about to mention right now appeared in Aladdin 1992, providing additional voice work for background characters, additional characters, this, that marketplace people. So I'm just going to just keep that in mind. Additional voices in Aladdin 92. I'm going to name each one and then tell you where we've seen them before. Okay. So firstly, Phil Proctor played a trooper in 84's Ghostbusters. Bridget Hoffman was the voice of Chopper in 2012's Total Recall. I don't know what that is. Um, uh, I think, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Sorick or Sorich uh, provided the dub voice for Ishikawa in 95's Ghost in the Shell. Okay. Um, Stephen Apostolina uh, provided the dub voice of a technician in 95's Ghost in the Shell. Scott Menville uh, was a chorus singer in The Secret of Nim 2 from 98. Jack Angel was also a chorus singer in The Secret of Nim 2 from 98, but he was also one of the primary Muppet performers in 79's The Muppet Movie. Huh. God, it, God Hollywood's a small world. This, this one was the funniest when I wrote it down, by the way. Patrick Penny was also a Muppet performer in the 79 Muppet Movie, and he appeared in 2010's The Karate Kid as Painty the Pirate. What? 
because there are clips of SpongeBob in 2010's Karate Kid. You heard that right. Patrick Penny himself is the voice of the painted pirate that opens every episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh my god. And he appeared as additional voices in Aladdin. Dude, that's like some fucking that's like some fucking like detective shit with that one. <laughs> it's, it's like crazy. It's like someone's like spotting a like a dude that are, like that's following them like off the reflection of a car that is reflecting from a window that's reflecting from like a kid's teardrop. It's like Jesus Christ. When I read that Painty the Pirate in Karate Kid, I was like, "What the hell is that?" I don't remember any pirates in that movie. Yeah, I didn't even realize his name was Painty. I guess that's his official name. Which is a that's very how it appears on IMDb. There could be incorrect information, but. Which is a very unfortunate name if you, like, pronounce it even slightly differently. Oh, yes. <laughs> very much so, yes. Yeah. Uh, but we have four left. Uh, that was the most interesting one, I think. Gotcha. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, we have Greg Berg, who provided the voice of the stage manager in 2011's The Muppets. We have Jennifer Darling, who voiced a French woman in 91's Beauty and the Beast. We have Nicholas Guest, who... Provided additional voices for 91's Beauty and the Beast. And additional voices for 2006's The Omen. Uh, Whatever that means. Okay. Creature noises or like people speaking in the background or something. I don't know. Mm. Uh, But finally, we have Archie Han. Again, also additional voices in Aladdin. But he was uh, in an actual role for a change. The Iceberg Man in 1981's Brewster's Millions. Uh, He is the man trying to sell a floating iceberg that travels around the world so that people can get fresh ice. If you even remember that scene. I, I, I do, but like in the most vague sense. Like I know it's there and it's there in my memory, but I don't know if I want it to be. He's in and out in like 20 seconds. I mean, yeah. Uh, So at least it's painless. But that was uh, the biggest full circle that we've done to date, I believe. Woo! Only only the best for the season finale. Of course, yes. (laughs) Sheesh. It was also, you Uh, know, ironically one of the shortest plot synopses we've had in fucking forever. Yeah, we've been doing some some longer ones uh, recently. And, I mean, it was three movies so oh yeah i i always a lot on ourselves yeah i don't know why and I'll, i always know when i'm going into that i pick these movies i'm like this is gonna be a really long plot synopsis too are you cool with that i'm like yeah i'm fine then i'm doing it, i'm like god i want to kill myself <laughs> it's this is awful <laughs> this i can't believe i signed up for that this is just ridiculous yeah, I'm, can, I'm I cha- the... can i change it a week before the episode's recording <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shit if i'm not just tired <laughs> it, yeah yeah Jeez. Um, <laughs> this has been a bit of a week for me, people. <laughs> uh, so I can sort of give some preliminary thoughts if you still want to catch up. Sure. I think that'll be good. Okay. Um, usually whenever I'm the first person to give my thoughts, I sort of state my history with the films. Uh, this one, much briefer and simpler, uh, in that 92 Aladdin, uh, for a while, maybe until middle school when... Alice in Wonderland, uh, the animated version, became my favorite. Aladdin, for the longest time, was my favorite Disney film. Mm. Uh, And, I mean, that's not saying a lot. It's from the Renaissance. It's one of... 
it's probably in the top five of people's favorite Disney movies if they were to pick one. Not everyone's, but most people's. It's it's a pretty obvious selection. Yeah. Just like The Lion King. So. Gotta love the Renaissance age. Yes. Uh, so that's not saying much. Uh, 2019 version, simple enough. This was my first time seeing it. I really had no interest in watching it before we had to do it for this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love how so often these movies are like, we basically have to hold ourselves hostage to watch these. Exactly. Which like, oh. you know, don't want to show our hands too early. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, but I, I, I love it so because I wouldn't be watching them otherwise. <laughs> um, we are some weird gluttons for this. So what I will say though, I'm, I'm going to immediately go for the 2019 film. Um, I'm in sort of a weird position where in I I don't necessarily think it's a good movie, but it's it's one of those instances where like if someone really loves a movie or really likes a video game that they were just playing and so they tell you to play or watch it and they really hype it up and then you play it and you're like, "Ah, eh, this isn't I mean it's good, but it's not as good as they were making it out to be." Um I feel like I'm in the same position for Aladdin 2019. Whereas everyone that talked to me about it and all I ever heard about it were really horrible, awful things. <laughs> and then I watched it and I was like, I think it's bad, but I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. Uh, and I can't tell if it's just because I was tainted by other people's opinions or not. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I will say this for it. It does not do well for itself in the beginning. I definitely grow more fond of it as it goes along. <clears throat> Like, it's almost like the acting quality goes up a kind of by the end, um, which is weird. But I really did thinking on it, like the first few songs, like, again, like these finales, we tend to like kind of show our hands pretty early because it's like, you know, of course, it's like comparing Aladdin to its live action remake. Like, you kind of knew what you're going in for with this. But yeah, like fucking it was hard going through the first few bits of just kind of watching these guys kind of ham it up. And I'm like, all right. Man, like, really? <laughs> yeah, though I must say, like, you talk... Okay, well, going off of what you said before I switch the topic, um, I thought the beginning was pretty dull, and I thought the ending was just kind of pretty bad. I didn't like the way things wrapped up, really. I thought it was yeah. pretty bad. Uh, but, um, yeah, the entire middle section, a lot of it I actually found fairly enjoyable, and I'll go into... That's why you tune into this... Side sort of things, folks, because it's never truly shooting fish in a barrel. Oh, uh, yeah. With the exception of The Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather and The Secret of Nim, I think, were two standouts of just like, oh, and this is obvious. I don't have anything nice to say. And Ghost in the Shell. Oh, yeah, Ghost in the Shell. At least I like some of the effects. And Departed. But, yeah, for the most part. Oh, my God. Well, anyway. Mark your, mark your bingo cards, people. We've mentioned it. <laughs> Hey, I wonder if there's bingo cards for this. And Chris, like, I, if I bet people place bets at, uh, on at this point. It's like, what, how early on will they mention it? Yes, when they're making long six-hour drives listening to us on Sirius XM. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, any, anywho, um, but you also mentioned the songs. I will say um, a lot of the songs are just really bland, boring, whatever, nothing. Yeah. Uh, but the two Williams songs that they carry over, I actually think Will Smith does a pretty decent job with what they give him because they obviously rewrite some of the lines and they reorchestrate it. Like, Friend Like Me inc includes, like, 
a breakdown rap session. Yeah, like um, just kind of going off his R and B roots and stuff. Right, which I'm sort of like, eh, it's it's okay. I don't hate it. Um, but like Smith as a performer, I think he does a good job with those songs. Oh yeah, uh, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta say, like all the hype that was talked about, like with Will Smith just kind of being like the weird looking genie, and like I'm gonna get into that plenty. Don't worry. I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised. Um. I do like that they took as many opportunities as possible to have him not be the weird, creepy <laughs> CG genie. The, yes, the CG genie, as it were. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's never been fucking said. Um, but yeah, like when he first got introduced, and the whole friend like me sequence, I actually really liked. Um, mostly because like it's hard to fuck that song up. Like the whole point of it is just like it's over the top. It's just showing like crazy shit, and it's a really catchy tune. So it's like. Fucking that up to would take effort, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> it's in, and, and I mean, the rewrites even weren't that noticeable. There was one that I immediately noticed in, in uh, the Prince Ali song <laughs> where I had to rewind it because I wasn't sure I heard it correctly, but uh, they replaced the word slaves with millions Oh, yeah, I remember. I read about that one. (laughs) Pretty obviously. Well, it's because it's one of those things where it's like, uh, as history has proven with this show, I'm a big fan of musicals. Yes. Uh, Even the bad ones, just because I like songs. Right, right, Uh, right. So I've heard these songs countless times, not just from watching movies, but from listening to the actual soundtracks themselves. So... I know all the words to all the songs in the original version. And when I hear words that are not the same words, I immediately notice. Not that it's hard with like such a high profile Disney movie, because I'm sure everyone knows most of the words of those songs just because they've seen the movie so many times. That's a pretty big assumption, but I think it's fairly accurate for many people. Not all people, obviously. I think Hannah could probably like quote it back to front with her eyes closed and turned around in a random order. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think I think that's accurate. But yeah, the the original line near the end of the song is slaves, servants, and flunkies. And servants and flunkies are fine, but not slaves. Uh, yep. So they, they got rid of that part. Yeah. It's like, you want to talk history all you want? It's like, yeah, let's maybe just not use that. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's the baggage, because they went into the movie with the baggage, too, of Will Smith being the genie. Because it wasn't baggage before, it was just the genie, he's this magical creature, Robin Williams is doing his voice. Uh, but then all of a sudden, when Will Smith is the genie, there's all this stuff online before the movie's made that's like, it's kind of weird, this black man being subservient and, like, imprisoned uh, to serve other people. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, so. but but even at the same time, it's like, you know what? That's a valid thing to say when you get right down to it. It's like, that's not a detriment to, detriment to it. It's actively being said, he's an enslaved person and he gets freed at the end. Like, I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, I, I yeah, I see, I see what that is. It was just yeah. something that was being, I oh yeah, no, I remember it. Don't worry. And, yeah. And passed around, which. Well, and and the, I mean, they up his character too, uh, to compensate for that. I think because that's yes. that's an interesting dynamic between the genies is that Robin Williams goes into this role as not only a stand-up comedian because he started as a stand-up comedian, um, 
but as an improv oh my god improv artist Mm -hmm. uh and an impressionist too so i'm not gonna go into it everyone has read about it or seen featurettes or behind the scenes obviously he did a lot of ad-libbing because he does that fairly well and so there were things animated like him doing an impression of william f buckley jr is just animated into the movie because he did that yes uh and will smith to that end is not an impressionist mm-hmm. or an improv artist, which is fine, uh, but it's odd because it's so intrinsically tied to the character of the genie at that point because they made the genie to reflect what Robin Williams was doing. So I feel like they twisted it a bit in that Will Smith's genie isn't the isn't as wacky. He he has fun moments and he makes jokes, but he's not as wacky or like insane or doing impressions, but he, um, he's more, uh, uh, what, what is the word I'm looking for? He's like more of a smart ass. Oh, smart. Like it's just smart alecky kind of thing. Yeah. Like a, more of a smart alecky character. He, he always consistently has the upper hand on yeah. the character of Aladdin because Aladdin is sort of bumbling around and goofing and, you know, Will Smith genie knows, knows better and is trying to teach him, but is also being disappointed. Like the really, a scene that I actually really liked uh, was after the Prince Ali song, when they're sort of standing there awkwardly and he's trying, and Aladdin is trying to list all these gifts he brought and he can't think of anything. And (laughs) the entire time, Will Smith is just under his breath, like get off the jams. You're making an ass of yourself. And then afterwards he goes, that is the most embarrassing thing that I've ever stood through. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and that's more of the new genie character yeah. that I think is more rep- uh, Will Smith fits that character better. Yeah, and I do think they kind of that I think they're kind of trying to do the same thing of like having the actor himself kind of lend himself to the character in this one because like pretty much everything that Will Smith has ever been in, he's always been like the the character who's basically been like the coolest guy in the room at all times. Um, oh yeah, Men in Black instantly comes to mind. Yep. Um, yeah, like Independence Day and everything, like even saying like you know stupid like cheesy lines, like just as his character and has himself as an actor, he's able to deliver them very like well and actually kind of charming. Um, yeah. So I think that kind of lends itself into it, which I actually really liked. Um, yeah, it's just it's it, I just I can't I just I can't get over the CG shit. I just can't. God, this movie uses so much of it. <laughs> like yeah. I know <laughs> I know other movies we've watched do too especially disney movies and especially like beauty and the beast but beauty and the beast did it so like well like not even they didn't use it sparingly they used it plenty obviously but they did it with such a crispness and like you know all the moments that kind of leaned close to uncanny valley were kind of offset by the fact that you know they were not cg animating human beings and there was a lot of cg human beings in aladdin and it's like and like and you mentioned, you know, Will Smith is not an impressionist. Um, but there are a few, you know, occasional scenes where the genie pretend like has like takes Aladdin's face and like like or he like pretends yeah. to be Aladdin in these different ways. And it is among one of the more disturbing images I've ever had to see. Um, <laughs> I just I hated it. I hated it so much. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's beyond disturbing. I think the only thing that I was able to t- so the two things I were, was able to tolerate in the movie CGI-wise were the carpet, because it's just a fucking rug yep. that flies around. So it looks fine, 
even if you can tell it was rendered in a computer, it doesn't have a face. Yeah. And that's <laughs> so where the un- okay. that's where the uncanny valley comes in. The less human it is, the f- more okay it is. Exactly. And again, to that end, because Abu is still kind of unsettling. And I yep. think it's because it is, you know, he has sort of human... Well, at the very least, like qualities. At, least, at the very least, it's a it is a animal that we know. Like we had, I had that problem when I watched the live action Lion Lion King, where they do things that just don't look like things that lions do. Or <laughs> it's like this just looks weird. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah I get that. Um. But but uh. To my other point is Iago. I think looks fine because oh, yeah. it's just a bird. Yeah. He he looks like he could literally have been pulled out of the live action Jungle Book. Yeah. Which I've stood up for before. Yes. Uh, and, you know, birds just look fucking crazy already, so it's hard to make them look weirder in CG. It's just a bird. Yeah, <laughs> come on. They got these weird fish-like eyes that move around, and they got those tongues that sort of flick out like a lizard. It's... Yeah. They got their bones yeah. on their outside with their fucking, like, beaks and everything. Have you ever seen the skull of a toucan? It is hellish. I have. <laughs> it is the most absurd thing I've ever seen. I love that image of the pelican, like, I don't know if it's true because I'm not a zoologist, but the image of the pelican, like, shooting its spine out of its mouth. Oh, yeah. quote, unquote, cool down. I don't know if that's, like, actually what that is because that's the internet trying to teach you things. But if it is, then that is a hellish fact and we need to destroy all pelicans, I think. Yeah, no, I I think the world would be fine without pelicans. (laughs) That's a quote to put up on the wall. My God. (laughs) <laughs> um but so there there are a ton of things to talk about between these two and we'll certainly get into it but since i just mentioned the parrot i did want to i did want to bring up my one huge issue and there's plenty of issues to have but my one big one is iago as a character uh-huh. I, um, I figured you'd go there yeah just so i again this is another thing when the movie's coming out and it was announced that alan tudyk would be doing the voice all these Gilbert Gottfried fans were up in arms, and I'm a huge Gilbert fan myself. I listen to the podcast every week. I've been to a stand-up show, you know, stuff like that. But people get recast. That is just, that's a thing that happens. Especially if it, like, Abu and, like, Raja make animal noises, so whatever, just get Frank Welker again. But I can understand if they want to go for a different vocal performance, so... I was not mad about that. And Alan Tudyk is a good to that end is a good voice actor as well. He's not just an actor. He does he's done voices in a lot of things. I think he was in just Wreck It Ralph 2 just 2 years ago. Yep. Uh he's in Moana. Oh yeah, that's right. Too. He played yeah, he he, he, play, he played the chicken. <laughs> yeah, he he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So my issue is is that so the character is more of just a bird, like you said in the synopsis. Uh, he sort of repeats a lot of lines, and you can tell after a while, oh, he's speaking like a parrot, but he's not saying things that he's heard. So he does have some level of intelligence. Uh, he, he is sort of vocalizing things that he sees and hears, which is how Jafar... Again, we're talking 2019 here, but this is that's how Jafar finds out that Aladdin is disguised as this prince is because Iago sees him at night and then communicates this to Jafar. Yeah, uh, you just don't see that whole scene. You can you can piece it together from other clues. Yeah. Uh, 
so as the movie's going on, I, I can be like, okay, so, you know, he's not just a normal bird. He's speaking like a bird, but he is still having his own thoughts. That's fine. I, I much prefer the wisecracking parrot of the 92 version, but I can sort of get behind this version. That's fine. Uh, until the ending. <laughs> because it mimics the exact same scene in the animated adaptation where Jafar is now a genie and he's getting sucked into a lamp and he pulls Iago in with him. It is much easier for me to stomach Gilbert Gottfried asshole parrot getting sucked into this lamp than it is for me to just see what is for the most part a regular bird with some intelligence get sucked into a lamp and tortured yeah uh it's a little it's a little strange and i hadn't thought about it until i saw the scene and i was like well the bird was working for jafar but i don't get the sense that like like the gilbert gilbert gottfried as iago is just like a little man that can fly yeah but this thing is this thing is a bird that has some smarts to it, you know? That's it. So I, I saw him getting pulled into the lamp, which I should have expected because it's the same movie. And I was like, oh, I really, I want the bird to be free. Free the bird. Yeah, that, that bird didn't deserve it. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't felt like he, it never felt like he was fully in control of his own, per, like he was his own character. It, it always felt like he was a, a spirit animal or a, a whatever you call those. Uh, familiar of Jafar almost. Ah, yeah. So I'm like, I don't want to see this bird punished. Yeah, that's weird, man. Yeah, uh, but that that was really my only big issue, and I was actually fine with the I was fine with the new Iago for a while there. Uh, yeah. But the outcome being the same, I don't think works for the changes they made. Yeah, I'd, I'd say pretty much the same. I think. Um... From here, I'm going to go and try to do kind of a, something a little bit different, since obviously this is, you know, another one of those movies where we tend to have a bit of a fish in the barrel moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm this time around, and especially since we haven't touched on it all that much, I'm going to ask, having watched, rewatched um, the original Aladdin now, what's stuff that you don't like about it? It's been touted up, and it's been regarded as one of the great Disney animated films for, you know, going on three decades now. Um which is fucking hellish to think about. But um, what are some things in it that you're just like, no, nah, I really didn't like that. that. I don't think that, like, not even necessarily just like your personal taste, but you think was just a bad film choice. I know you've oh, in the past okay. mentioned that that Aladdin has um, has like, kind of a rough place in your heart because like how, you know, it what it meant for voice actors and how a lot of, you know, celebrities became involved at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um... And you know what? I guess I'm actually in an interesting position to talk about that because I've been doing this Disney rewatch, especially the like chronologically the few films that came before this. Exactly, so, and that's why I was going to ask your opinions on it because I don't have any major ones for it, but I figured you'd have a more distinct kind of like refined opinion, shall I say? So you actually threw me for, through a loop when you changed it up and said like actual bad filmmaking decisions because I did have like a personal thing that I. Only oh, I mean, I only just discovered on this rewatch. Um, oh, I mean, like, yeah, include that too. But I was like, you yeah, know, yeah, just like, okay, it's because like so many people can like because there are plenty of stuff about the early Renaissance movies that I'm not a huge fan of. I think a lot of the times their villains are pretty kind of lackluster when you really get down to it. Um, but otherwise, you know, whatever. It, yeah, no, I know what you mean, and it's so I guess. 
I'll, ju- I'll just start with the, the personal thing and then I'll start going into, into filmmaking things, I think. But the personal thing on this rewatch, I think Robin Williams is a fantastic performer and I like his impressions. Mm. I don't think all of his comedy lands really. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that too. I was like, I feel bad that I don't really like a lot of what the things he's doing are. <laughs> like, I just get right down to it. I'm like, this just isn't funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel the same way. I and This is the first thing I've, I've seen Robin to... Williams with in a pretty long time. So I'm hesitant to go back to other things. And I'm just like, maybe I just don't find him funny anymore. But I, I'm not going to say that outright because I like I just said, have not seen him in anything in a long time. You know, I haven't rewatched Jumanji or Mrs. Doubtfire or anything, so I don't know. Uh, right. But, yeah. yeah. That's that's probably the big one. That's probably the only major one I can think of myself. Um, again, like, one thing I will say, like, I do think, um, as far as just bad filmmaking, I really don't like Jafar all that much. And the original, um, I know people go on about him, you know, being one of the you know original greats with that, but I honestly don't see it. You know, um, it just seems kind of silly at times. Like I really, really do. I honestly, I think my favorite part of the remake was just the kind of rework on Jafar's character, because it actually seems like, oh, he actually feels like a royal vizier character with actually some devious intent and actions and everything, where it doesn't really just seem like he's like having to fucking debase himself as a fucking old man and everything. He literally just goes to Aladdin and is like, listen, I can make you rich, and you can go after the princess or whatever, but you've got to do some shit for me. And then it's like, that's all you need. It's like, thinking back on it, it's like, wow, why did we need the whole fucking old man thing? Why didn't he just approach him? Mm-hmm. It's like, I know it's meant to be, like, oh, hiding his identity or whatever, but it really didn't matter. He's the fucking Royal Vizier. If he gets that lamp, he can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. No, I... Yeah, I get that, too. And and thinking about the villains, I, I do get what you're saying with the Renaissance villains, too. A lot of them are pre-Blackbuster. Yeah. If, if we were to take all of the Renaissance, and when I say Renaissance, I'm gonna... I know that there's, like, official whatevers, but from my line of thinking, I'm just gonna go from... um. Little Mermaid to Lion King and just the ones in between. I know there's yeah, whatever. I'm not I'm not doing that. But just thinking about those villains specifically, I think Ursula is really the only one that works well on her own. Uh, yeah, she has a lot of bombacity to her and a lot of character, and she actually has lore that a lot of people don't remember. But having just watched it fairly recently, like she goes into it a little bit near the beginning of at the movie uh that's teased so you know she feels like more of a character and then ignoring rescuers down under that has a boring as fuck villain too but no one ever thinks about that uh yeah but then yeah jafar i think is heightened by gilbert gottfried uh i think they work well together and i like i like iago as a character more too he's more interesting and he does more of the actual work uh, yep for the actual villainous pairing there. And then like beauty and the beast, it's just some asshole, just some asshole guy that thinks he's pretty. And the lion King scar, I've never really cared for either. I think he's pretty boring too. Yeah. Like they've always been super kind of one note. And it's like, I'd like to try, like it's the kind of thing where it's like looking at these characters. I'm like, I'd want to say that I want to know more about them, but honestly I don't like, (laughs) I just want them to have, 
better fucking either motives not even necessarily motives like i don't necessarily need a good villain to have motives i just want them to actually like seem like they're a bit of a threat like i know they go on and on about all these villains and everything and how much damage they can do but it's really get right down to it like you said gaston's just like a fucking muscly douche and you know scar is an emaciated prick who just is able to talk to hyenas and like honestly they're fucking lions i never understood how that was any way would fucking fly yeah (laughs) i don't know it's just like what the hell (laughs) ursula like you said ursula ursula is just like a fucking like you know ocean deity essentially so it's like okay fucking yeah that makes sense she's basically if lovecraft shacked up with a drag queen and she's she actually does shit too because like scar what the hell does he do up until mufasa's death and even then, like, he was just the brains of the operation the whole time. He didn't, like, physically kill him. It's just like, I'm not going to help you when you need my help. Yeah. But Ursula has this entire garden of, like, sea slugs that used to be people. She turned them all into sea slugs for various reasons. And, like, she she has actually done things prior to the movie. And I think, Al- I think in Aladdin, Jafar, the most that we've seen him done... It, It can be implied being an evil vizier that he's done more, but the most that he does is kills that guy or sends that guy to his doom, essentially. Uh, The one played by Charlie Adler at the beginning of the film. And that's it. Yeah, it's like... And that's why I really did like him more in this one, in the 2019, because he actually... He doesn't necessarily do anything, but you definitely see him as a more, like, distinctly kind of almost sadistic force where it's like he's trying to be a fucking warmonger and everything like that's yeah. significant he actually he he kills someone himself he does it himself he pushes that guy down a well and it's like that guy did not survive that he's dead oh yeah i almost forgot about that <laughs> yeah it's like have you ever fucking like have you heard stories about people falling down wells that's a death sentence bro <laughs> pretty much baby jessica being the exception of course of course, yes, of course. <laughs> lest lest we a, forget. Yeah, that's, there's a fucking... There's a hell of a reference there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Something that happened like a yeah, decade before just, I was poor. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff we talk about was before we that's were born. That's true. It's like most of the shit we review. <laughs> that, yeah, that's also true. God, we're young. That's weird to think about, like, how, like, I feel as old as time, but I'm really, I'm like a fucking child. I mean, pretty, yeah, yeah. I don't need to go into an existential spiral. (laughs) Anyway, back to Aladdin 1982. Um, And just even think of, like, as much as it just, like, all the hammy acting and everything for the 2019 one, it really also, at times, the 92 one didn't feel that exciting. Which, like, it's fair. It's a fucking animated movie. They don't always have to feel exciting. But at the same time, like, comparing the two, once the 2019 version got going, it got going. Like, it it was able to do, like, big bombastic scenes. I um, I do those, like the those scene are the only times that I... Iago is turned giant and is chasing them throughout the city. I do like that. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, when the CG is actually, like, being used to its, like, full extent, I'm totally fine with it. But it's, like, it's, you know, that's when it's, like, destruction and magical things and, like, the whole, like, the host coming into the city with Prince Ali and everything. Like, the added stuff to that. Um, Like, I just, like, you know, these things really just need to be used for over-the-top moments, not the, you know, super intimate character moments. Mm -hmm. Um, But that has to be tinged with the fact that so many of those scenes, because for some reason, 
like, it, like so many of the scenes were edited so weirdly. Did you like get a feeling of that? Like it just like it felt like a lot of scenes just kind of like cut back and forth a lot. Um, I I can't say I noticed. Uh, I'm I'm because like the mm. the problem with me is that I know Guy Ritchie, the director of this, pretty well at this point. I've seen a lot of his movies, and that's very indicative of his style. But he's normally doing like crime dramas, <laughs> and so like the only time this editing style really worked was like in Snatch, was in like '95 or something. Um, and every time since, like, it, uh, he also did the Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr. And yeah. it works pretty well there, because it's meant to be, like, this kind of, you know, mentalist scene of doing all these different things. So, it actually, the chaos lends itself to it. But any time he's doing anything that's trying to have, like, more human character moments and everything, it just comes off as so goddamn janky. <laughs> like, it's just, like, it's constantly cutting back and forth between these two scenes. It's, like... Like I think there was one bit in the near the beginning where um, Aladdin was running from the guards and he was kind of doing these acrobats somewhere on this one dude, and it's like it cut in the same shot, like back and forth, like to a closer up shot to a back and forth shot, and it just kept showing that the dude was clearly, you know, the dude like doing the stunts was clearly just like it was doing it in a different shot. Now it wasn't just like watching one continuous take of it it was like no they stopped the shot he completed the stunt on this end so that we could have it better framed and then they continue to do that like back and forth like three times i'm like this is so fucking weird like there were so many there's so many moments like during when he ever you know it was very clearly like it like the big one was um when he was first escaping the cave of wonders and the um like the stalactites were falling over um and it's very clearly looks like his CG version kind of cuts off screen and then his normal version kind of comes back in running normally where it's like there was no even attempt at a transition there. It's like he clearly was CG off screen, live action, back on screen. <laughs> Ow. It's just like so many moments of that I just I could not, not, could not unsee. I'll have to rewatch uh, not the movie, uh, but some segments from <laughs> that to see if I pick it up. I definitely didn't pick it up at the beginning. Like you were saying, when he's doing all the stunt work and stuff. And I think that's because I was mostly distracted by the song, which yeah, I already said the Will Smith performances, th- those songs, I think they're good. The rest of them are kind of meh. But I think One Jump Ahead, it might be the worst one in the movie because, and maybe this is, you'll have to, you'll have to give me your own thoughts afterwards so I can know if I'm not just being nostalgic or something. But fe- the feeling from coming from the an- animated adaptation with all the jumping around and whatever, it's more lively. So it'll it'll yes. cut to the guards marching towards Aladdin in the 2019 version. They'll be going, rip him open, take it back, guys. But their faces are just dead. And it looks like they don't <laughs> it looks like they don't want to be there, which I guess maybe in the circumstances the guards don't want to be doing this. Like it's it's work. But I don't know. It doesn't feel right. And and there's moments when Aladdin is singing in the song. And he sings later in, like, Whole New World. And it's moderately better. But in this song, it's just, like, flat. Like, musically even. Like, there are notes that he doesn't hit. And I can't tell if it's because he went flat on the note or if it's because they reorchestrated it. Yeah, I just... And I think, and I think the word that you use there, which I didn't really realize was the big one for me, it's like, is lively. I really do realize that now. The difference between the two is that the original is incredibly lively. It has all this like, and obviously that comes with being with a being a well animated movie. But 
God, there's so many scenes in the, the 2019 version. Just everyone just looks like a dead fish. <laughs> yeah, they're just they're just like kind of like weirdly. I couldn't even say they're hamming it up. It's like the exact opposite of hamming it up. It's like I don't know what the term is. I guess just phone, not even necessarily phoning it in, because it's just like they're just there and they're clearly like meant to be doing the faces and everything and like acknowledging the emotions for it but it feels like very often they'll do like a smile but their eyes stay exactly the same so it's actually pretty jarring looking and so it'll just be like okay so this person has like only about 70 percent of human emotion really nailed down at any given point <laughs> it's just and that's why honestly why i like jafar so much because like at least he actually had some lively moments like even but even still for him he wasn't you know, super animated. Right. And, and something that comes with that too, is that they, so they redo Jafar so that he's more, he feels more evil and even more manipulative. And he, he's yeah. more calm and demure. Uh, so, and, and I like that decision. I think the actor does a good job there, but mm-hmm. to that end, since they reworked his character, they kind of also have to rework the character of the Sultan. Uh, yeah. And I think the actor in the 2019 version does a pretty good job with what he's given because I assume the character was rewritten to that end because having this goofy flounce about Sultan, you know, go up against this, you know, more cool, calm, collected Jafar, it would be too jarring, I think. Uh, for a character that isn't in the main cast, like because the well, the Sultan kind of is in the main cast, but you know what I mean. He's not a core character. He's a recurring character rather than like a fucking you know consistent character. It, 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 exactly, and I think if they or did the same line. thing, I remember. They're, sorry, they're they sorry. There just there used to be a like a term for it. Like I know there's a term like recurring character versus like like main character or main line character. Something yeah, like that. but. It, I, I feel like they they kind of had to do that with the new Jafar because that if they had the same Sultan that was in the animated version, you know, with the same sort of delivery that Douglas Seal was giving, it just wouldn't work mm. with that Jafar. Anyways, it wouldn't work with that Jafar. Uh, and yeah, I no, like, like the, and I kind of prefer the original Sultan, and not just because he's goofy, cartoony, but the, and this goes back to Thief of Baghdad. Uh, but you can tell he's he's a father that cares for his daughter, but he's also just like a child. He's like a big play baby that has this room full of golden toys. Uh, yeah, and he likes stacking which, like, stacking animals. <laughs> or, yeah, which like you get right down to it. If like like a lot of movies should do that. I don't understand all these movies that have like kind of the very regal looking regent because it's like historically that's that's been more the exception than the rule. Right, <laughs> <laughs> they've been pretty quirky characters. They, they can afford to be quirky because chances are they grew up in that sort of lifestyle, not ever having to really care about it. Like, you think the Sultan worked his way up to be Sultan? That's not how it works. Yeah, so. fucking A. Do you see him? Like, his fucking size? Exactly. <laughs> and, like, and I can't say I dislike the Sultan in the 2018 version, but at the same time, it's like he's barely really involved, so it's like I can't really say I dislike him either. Yeah, and I think they try... Or like him or like him or dislike him either, whatever. Yeah, I think they try to get around that flaw by bringing more of a relationship between him and his daughter into it, and they do it the same... I know there's a reason for it. 
and we'll talk about that. I, I know there is, but it's the same thing that bothered me in Beauty in the new Beauty and the Beast that didn't really bother you for various reasons, but they bring so much emphasis on the dead parent into it. And and that's like a weird it's it's like a double side it's like a double edged sword, I guess, because I understand why they do that. I have not lived through that situation, thankfully, to have a deceased parent. Right. So I can barely, if only imagine, the actual long-lasting effects that that would have on you. Um, so so I understand it as being a character point where it's like, well, Jasmine, you know, her mother is gone. That her mother certainly meant a lot to her. And, you know, she she uh, has this uh, bracelet that belonged to her mother. She keeps as a keepsake. And, and I see the connections there and I obviously understand why that works. It just feels like it's, in this instance, it feels like it's added in an attempt to connect the Sultan and Jasmine because otherwise they have no connection other than they're both royalty. Like, in, yeah. in the animated version, they, they don't bring up the mother. That's sort of, it's sort of obvious that the mother isn't there, so you can sort of glean that. But also, you know, it's more so... I'm worried about your protection. You need to do this for this. Eventually he comes to understand, oh, blast it all. You're in love. This man represents the freedom and like wanting to see the world that you've wanted your whole life. And in the 2019 adaptation, it's like a one line thing at the end where it's like, I was, since your mother died, I've been so worried about protecting you, but you do not need protecting, or whatever he says. It feels kind of ham-fisted. Yeah, and, like, I don't know how much of it, it's, like, you know, you get kind of that impression of, like, Disney's trying to do the whole, like, you know, stronger female side character kind of thing, but it's, like, it doesn't really have any kind of genuine hand in it. It's, like, okay, she wants to be the ruler, but it's, like, at the same time, that has its own issues when you really break it down. Um... And all this other, like, bullshit and everything. Like, the fact that... The one thing that I noticed that I hadn't mentioned before, um, just with Jasmine's character in general, um, is that they try to have give her more agency, but in a way kind of end up giving her less? Because um, in the end, like, in the original one, you know, Jafar was, like, super creepy and, like, kidnapping Jasmine and needing to marry her, to, like, for some reasoning behind being the Sultan. I don't know. It's a renaissance disney movie that's the whole fucking thing anyway um and then in the new one he still like has to marry her but it seems like it's more just like a dig at the sultan like it really just seems like at a certain point it's like he really didn't care about actually marrying her but they still had to include it in the movie i felt like because it was going for much more which is it's it's a it's a part of the current climate nowadays and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that okay that Obvi- right, obviously right. not it's just we drink our respect women juice exactly it, it just feels <laughs> more apparent so maybe maybe we can just pinpoint it easier but it feels like they wanted to give her more agency and but to do that they had to give her an arc of like she's the powerful badass she gets the song where she is the badass and in order for that to make sense they have to restrain her more so that she can break out from that effectively uh yeah. So there's more instances to sort of hammer home 
first female sultan. This is about women power. Not the whole movie is about female empowerment, but her arc is about female empowerment. So they bring in more of the learn your place, hold your tongue, you are a woman, which, you know, again, can be interpreted from the original because she's sort of protected and kept locked up in the palace. And there's the whole scene where she, she does have like a female empowerment thing of like, I am not a prize to be one, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But in the, in the 2019 film, it's so much more apparent that that's sort of deliberately what they're going for. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And and like, and kind of the way you, you had put it before that actually made me think of a, you know, pretty strong sticking point I had heard one time. Um, the way you say, like, she had to be, like, restrained more in order to, you know, show, you know, her own personal power and that sort of thing. And that actually reminded me of a point someone made about, um, I think, the, the first remake of the Tomb Raider games, where it was really controversial when it first came out, because, like, the first demo showed of, like, Laura Croft's character being very clearly, like, getting the absolute shit kicked out of her and like multiple occasions being like nearly sexually assaulted and like all this other stuff where it's like the whole game is trying to build up this whole thing of like oh you know as a woman she's like trying to empower herself and all that sort of thing but the only way it seems like a lot of modern creators can give the idea of this is a woman facing adversity is to just kind of beat the shit out of them right and to put them in like genuinely terrible situations that like are in a way already just making it worse like it's like oh she's being empowered by nearly being raped it's like what the fuck why are we watching that yeah <laughs> like it's just like i don't like that that's kind of the mindset they have to go to to get like anything close to it. it's like no we could just give them like basic agency it's like just write a character then instead of making it a dude made a girl there you go. That's literally it. That's all it fucking takes. Why do we have to make it just these horrible situations for them? It, it should be that obvious, but it's not. And again, I mean, should be obvious also. Uh, but this is two uh, dudes talking about uh, female yeah, no, empowerment fucking... and, and women, women's issues in representation in yeah, like we, media. Ultimately, we have no right to be talking about this. But at the same time, it's like, it's also good that we can notice that. <laughs> I'd like to think so. I can't, I mean, sort of what you said where it's just like male character make them a woman. Obviously, you know, it well, feels right. like that's, 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 you go ahead. I was just going to say it, it, it feels like that should be the correct solution, but I can't say that I could put it into practice if I had to. But when you watch right. movie after movie and play game after game with these, uh, these female leads where, okay, the story is about them coming to power. So, we have or them being empowered which means that they can't have that power in the first place which i kind of understand from it's right. it's just the way they go about it because it's always you know uh the man is keeping jasmine down you know the patriarchy which again i i get that i understand why that's there but at a certain point in time it becomes extremely obvious and i Especially in the case of the 2019 one, I don't think it's handled that correctly because Jasmine's character has always been, always, I mean, since the 92 Disney film, she wants to be free. <laughs> I mean, that's our, yeah. Yeah, that's our entire lives. But, uh, she wants to be free. She wants to see the world. Exp- she hasn't even experienced her city, which is why she goes out into it. And Aladdin is a man that represents freedom and not being, like, held down and leashed anything which is mostly why she 
pines for him. It's that representation. You can say there's some love there, but I think mostly it's, you know, he represents what she wants. Um, yeah. And they, they do something weird in this Guy Ritchie Aladdin where she is that because she goes out into the city. She wants to see more of the whole new world song. That's the whole purpose of that song. And it's still in the movie, but it's also, I want to be the first female Sultan. And there's really only that I can think of two scenes that have anything to do with her actually wanting to lead Agrabah. And that is when she initially mentions being a female Sultan and not marrying for that reason or not just marrying some random guy. And then uh, the scene where Jafar is trying to tell, like command the Sultan to invade somewhere. And she comes in and is like, we shouldn't be invading them. They're our allies. Uh, yeah. I don't think there was enough build up to that eventual conclusion. It's more so something that was mentioned offhand. And then they resume what Jasmine, Jasmine wanted from the original movie. And then she gets what the new Jasmine wanted for a hot second. Or at least that yeah. was my takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, and, and I, of course, I should also put a disclaimer. It's like my little thought of, you know, just make the male character female. is like, that's obviously very kind of just still on its own, just kind of dismissive of the whole thing. It's like, it should be a, you know, woman having a story about her and being a woman with actually that, that sort of, you know, point of view. Um, but, you know, that's, I'm just kind of generalizing in that case. But one thing I actually, as you were talking about it, one thing I actually kind of thought about, there's actually a couple moments in the original where it's like her status as a woman actually in some way, in a lot of ways, has a couple moments where it's actually meant to be actually good. And like it's she actually pulls like cool moves as it. like the main one I'm thinking of is in the moment when Jafar tries to make uh, Jasmine fall in love with her to marry him, uh, fall in love with him to marry him. Um and she actually plays it off and it's like trying to be all sultry to distract him and everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a fucking, that's a fucking moment of female empowerment. That's literally her taking advantage of the situation to do this fucking, to trick this fucking psychopath. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, she's using charm to do it. That's a very valid thing to do. Right. You don't get that in this other one. It's just, she's just kind of like there and is basically literally at a certain point just frozen in the air in the final fucking moments. And it's just kind of like, doesn't actually have any agency in that last scene at all. Like it really barely feels like she's in this movie sometimes. Pretty much. There's there's so much more. Yeah. And there's yeah, there's a lot more we could go into. <laughs> and it's like honestly, fucking Guy Ritchie has kind of a weird relationship with that in a lot of his movies. Like a lot of the female characters have been kind of like not necessarily punching bags, but they haven't really been great parts of the story. Um, but in this one, it's definitely kind of apparent. It's just like, yeah. And like at the addition of like the handmaiden is like kind of like an additional like love interest for the genie and everything. It's like, it really just feels like that was there just to kind of set up the beginning where it, we hadn't mentioned it before, but the beginning of the 2019 version opens up differently than the, um, original. The original has just, um, famously is the beginning, uh, with Robin Williams, voicing a merchant kind of like ad-libbing the introduction of the story um and then in the 2019 version it shows the now clearly humanized genie because like we all know it's literally will smith acting in the scene with his wife who we later see is the handmaiden and their kids so it's like i really think the only reason the handmaiden is in this was just to kind of set up that ending because <laughs> like otherwise 
there's a couple of moments, but if she was removed from the equation entirely, there wouldn't have been moments that we'd have to have cut away to her. Right. <laughs> like, it literally would not have affected the story at all. Which, uh, speaking of things that, that was one of the big things about the ending that I did not like, is, yep. you know, Will Smith, Genie, maybe it came quicker to some folks than it did to me, but I did not piece together, you know, that this handmaiden was the woman from the beginning of the film. I didn't piece that together initially when I was watching, I guess probably because I didn't care. Um, (laughs) But eventually, you know, he becomes human and then he's like, oh, I love you. As soon as like they embrace, I was like, oh, that's the woman from the start. And that should have been the end of it. But not only do they explain, we will get married, we will have two kids named this and this, we will have a boat, we will do this, and then it cuts to them doing it from the beginning of the movie. I was like, this is obvious at this point. Why are you showing your, you have little to no respect for the intelligence of your audience, apparently. And again, that's like that is definitely another thing with Guy Ritchie films. They do that a lot, but it's like in the other ones, like in Sherlock Holmes and everything, it's meant to be like moments of oh, it's revelation, revelationary stuff, and this whole big mystery and everything. But it's like no, that's not a big mystery here. It's literally what the basic setup was. Right? What the fuck? And I think it more. I have not. I've watched part of the Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr., but any of Guy Ritchie's other films, I have not seen. I haven't even seen a second of that second Sherlock film. So this is coming from someone who has not seen them. But I think that that sort of works, that revelatory thing, especially if it's informing other characters that may not be caught up on it. Because then at least you can get away with, uh, well, maybe some viewers in the audience that didn't get it will now get it as we explain it to the other characters. But in the 2019 film, yes. that's not doing any characters any favors because the Sultan's not like, oh, I remember that scene from the movie. Like it, <laughs> that, that hasn't happened. It means nothing to them. They're all probably just like, you people are lunatics. You're planning this far it's in like, advance. You're naming your two children children that do not exist yet. It's like, fucking Jesus. <laughs> You're insane. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it, that was such a weird standout moment there at the end. Like it just, everything really just kind of came to a fucking cluttering end at the end there. It's like, you ever have one of those moments where you're trying to set up like, it's like if you're setting up a, a house of cards and you finish doing it, but you just insist on adding a bunch of like fucking like little like smaller ones right in front of it and they just keep falling over. It's like, I mean, it's not affecting the big one, but at the same time, this is kind of stupid. Right. Or you want to try. Like, why are you doing? Yeah, why are you doing this? You finish the house of cards and you're like, hmm, but I want to make it a castle. And then you like try bending some cards to make a parapet and adding it to the side and it just knocks everything over. It's like, you were yeah. done. You were finished. Why'd you do this? <laughs> it was over. You did this. You didn't have to do any of this. <laughs> yeah. Tell you that, yeah. God, what a what a mess of a movie, honestly. <laughs> like, there's so many moments that I'm like, I do genuinely love these moments. Like, I again, like I said, I like the, act- the bigger action sequences. I like when, you know, I liked Will Smith's character a lot more than I expected I would. I just... I, I definitely like Jafar as a character more in this one than the original, but it just still like it's so much of it is just kind of janky feeling. <laughs> like that's the best word I can think of it. It's just janky with the weird CG, like the moments where the CG was just not necessary. Like a lot of the time, the Cave of Wonders and everything, where it's just like we could have just had like a basic set for this. Like it's fine. You can add 
But the problem is that when you have a CG set that is 100% CG, it looks all the more jarring. It's just like, if you had like a basic set and then green screen or blue screen around it, that would have been fine. But because of the situation, you just had to fucking have it out for everything. It's just like, fucking hell. Yeah, I... And and you know what? Um, we sort of went back on the 2019 one a bit. Uh, but you had originally, yep. you were asking me about the 92 one and things that I didn't like about it. And um, I had mentioned before on the show sort of the, the voice actor thing that bothered me. Um, mm-hmm. it, it had been happening for a little while before that, especially with comedians. Um, it just, it feels like Aladdin was specifically the tipping point. Because like before, so before Aladdin, like the rescuers down under... Uh, like, there's this bird character that flies them around, and it's voiced by John Candy. You know, obviously mm-hmm. big-name comedian, and before that, you had The Little Mermaid, and Scuttle, who was also a bird, voiced by Buddy Hackett, who we've mentioned multiple times on the show. You know, who was mm-hmm. also a fairly big comedian, and his, his star might have waned a bit by 1989, but I, I'd say most people taking their kids to the theaters knew who Buddy Hackett was. Um, yeah. But I don't know, specifically the star of Robin Williams and then, you know, Gilbert Gottfried wasn't headlining a bunch of movies, but everyone knew him from his television appearances at that point. That just sort of that combination just set the stage for a lot of things to come afterwards. You know, we're going to keep getting comedians. The Lion King will have uh, Nathan Lane in it. How about that? Nathan Lane's a pretty big name. But eventually, you know, you start moving away from that and you actually start getting, you know, well, they don't have to be comedians so long as their names, which, you know, there's less improbability and there's less probably vocal range uh, to that end for the most part. So, so that's something that I don't think Aladdin intended to do, but that it definitely did. Uh, and something else as well, just... The side character sort of deal in particular, like the comedic side character had existed for a bit as well, but yeah, it's, it's sort of weird to be watching these Disney films and see at a certain point, it's like, oh, here in Little Mermaid, you have Sebastian Flounder and Scuttle, and then, you know, you go to Abu and the Magic Carpet and Iago, and you just, you keep going down from there until eventually you're getting to like, Pocahontas, which just has, you know, the raccoon and the hummingbird. And, you know, Mulan has the cricket and the horse. Like, at least Mushu can talk. And it it, yeah. it it gets to this point where you can start seeing the filler characters, you know, just there to add to the cast. Eventually, that don't even, like, uh, uh, vocalize their thoughts because they just exist as creatures. Um <laughs> And I don't know, I feel like uh, the Magic Carpet to some extent and Abu specifically sort of played a hand in that as well. And I don't think that's as negative a point. Uh, But, you know, when it creates a precedent that's repeated throughout countless movies, you can kind of see it as a downside, even if the characters aren't bad. Just the fact that it's done in every single movie up to a certain point in history is a little obnoxious. Mm -hmm. I wish movies didn't run in cycles so hard. Like, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we, we've seen, we have seen 
so many movies at this point, just in, just in three fucking seasons worth of this, where it's just like, I wonder how many of them even compared movies that technically aren't even related to each other, like by genre or anything, how many of them could be basically just slotted in for each other in certain scenes where it's like, yeah, no point for point. I know what's happening. Yeah. (laughs) Which I know is like ultimately, you know, I think as a fucking just, you, you know, media consuming society at a certain point, we do just have to be like, okay, we don't need all of this. We can just like watch some of the stuff. But as it is nowadays, it, everything is constantly telling you to consume everything. So it's like, of course we're going to get that at a certain point. But, you know, just uh, we are obviously also, you know, extremes in that situation, given our position. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's so difficult to keep watching them at this point. <laughs> Where it's yeah. like, yes, okay, this particular character, a bunch of fucking, you know, media fucking people. Like, I still fucking will lambast... Toy Story 4, just for all the fucking new characters they added, just for the sake of having, like, celebrity voice actors. Oh, yeah, we talked about that, all on whatever episode it was that you had just watched Toy Story 4. Yep. Like, I'm not, I'm not like, I still remember, like, eight characters. They added eight new characters to that fucking shit. Like, holy god. Like, not even side characters, like, actual, like, characters with, like, some level of depth and everything. It was like, my god above, why? Oh. <sighs> Disney. I'm not sure how much they do it anymore. I'll, I'll find out soon. Um, <laughs> I, I know that's Pixar. I'm not sure how much Disney feature animation does that anymore. But like I said, I'll be going through them and I'll I'll get to see. And hey, that new... <laughs> since we're talking about Disney and this whole episode is about Disney. Uh, yep. Walt Disney Pictures Animation's newest film is coming out in March. In theaters. Which one is that? Uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh, yeah. It's coming out in March and will be available on Disney Plus as well for that stupid fucking $30 premium thing that they did with the live action Mulan. So it's like fucking... I hate I hate the modern media scene. Honestly, like I like this. If this like, and I'm gonna, I'm almost certainly gonna talk about this in the year roundup. But like, just as a teaser for that, this is really been the year where big companies like that and big entertainment companies have like really every kind of company has really dropped the facade of like just not just being pure money sharks <laughs> where it's like like early on like as netflix came out and everything there was kind of this whole cool like camaraderie of everything of like oh cool we can watch a bunch of stuff on netflix but then as more and more stuff started coming out and it's like okay there's more options now but they're at least pretty chill about it but it's like fucking Disney Plus came out. I was like, okay. Like the moment Disney Plus was announced, I was like, this is the death knell of accessibility for movies. Like this is it. Yeah. <laughs> and now that they're having this premium bullshit, I was like, yep, I knew it. <laughs> it's one of those twisted sort of, again, a double-edged sword, if you will, where it's like, oh my God, I do not want a monopoly corporation to own every bit of media that exists but on that same yeah. end, it's like, wouldn't it be nice if everything you could possibly watch was only on two streaming platforms? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, which do it's I like, prefer? But it's like, the, you know, obviously they're, you know, Netflix had done it really well for several years. So it's like the simplicity of it is just, you know, one company just owns the platform. It's other people own the films. And then you license them. Like, but, you know, now Netflix is failing because they're like, well, why don't we just introduce Peacock and put all of our nbc related programs on there including any movies that we might have licensed to and apple tv yeah. and 
ugh, ugh. so many things you've never like, heard of. And they're doing like all these like new remakes of like fucking like nineties nostalgia shit. Like like apparently like I saw this on fucking Tumblr popped up. It's like the Knicks Girls or something like that. It's like some fucking like cartoon from the early nineties or or later nineties or something like that. And it's like it was original cast was like very varied and like ethnicities and everything, but now it's all just like it's almost all entirely white girls. Knicks like, girls. I'm pretty I'm pretty fluent in animation especially from the 90s i have no idea what that is unless it's like oh sorry not the sorry winx club oh yes i i do know that. there you go yep that, that's it it's like they're doing one of that and apparently it like looks god awful so it's like okay like just like i keep going in cycles where i keep saying oh you know creativity is kind of doing okay in hollywood and creativity is dead this dead period has been kind of long and yeah. it's just getting longer with this year well, it's it's also, you know, like I said, it's harder to find newer things when there's a million streaming platforms and you're not aware of any. Did you know that there's a, a Julia Louis-Dreyfus show that's been doing fantastic for like four seasons, but you can only get it on Apple TV? Because I found out about that like two months ago. What the fuck? I will, I will die before I watch anything on Apple <laughs> TV. I'm just going to say it. Like, I do not give a goddamn. It could be the most interesting show in the world. The fact that it is only on Apple TV means I would rather cut off a finger to survive in the dying winter fucking months on my own than to watch a show on Apple goddamn TV. <laughs> oh, my fuck God. that shit. There's this new show that came out that, uh, like, I think last year that's done by uh, Lauren Bouchard, who does Bob's Burgers. And I was like, oh, I like the writing in Bob's Burgers. I'll check it out. Oh, it just kind of, it looks like Bob's Burgers, but with different characters. Okay, not as interesting. But hey, I watched Craig McCracken stuff. So, oh, it's only on Apple TV, huh? Hmm, that's three <laughs> strikes. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's just, this year has really just kind of nailed it into me at this point where it's like, these, like, creativity is just being so fucking strangled by these things like you know netflix is fucking you know infamous now for canceling shows after like the third season or less because it's like that's when the peak membership drops off and like you know membership gains from that show and so it's just like it's all just based on money at this point it's really really getting to me yeah we were spoiled i think by the especially in animation which is what i speak to just because i'm i spend so much of my time in it but like the late 90s and early 2000s as weird and as such a dead period for many channels as that was that's around the time we started getting like oh well maybe we could you know have this run for however long or oh this show's actually doing pretty well let's let it survive because before then even huge hit shows like something like Darkwing Duck or Dexter's Lab that are getting all of these views and people love them and there's merchandise. It's like, oh, we hit 65 episodes. Cut it off. That's the syndication number. We don't need any more because we can just air reruns for eternity. No. So, uh, we've been doing this for a while and we're not slowing down. Fucking A. Of course, you know, of course we got on. I talked earlier in the movie about getting, or early in the movie, early in the episode about, you know, keeping off of a tangent, but it's like, you know what fucking this tangent was worth it <laughs> oh so <laughs> there was a movie somewhere in here it's like y'all know our fucking opinion of this if you genuinely have a desire to like like the modern aladdin more than the original like stop sucking on disney's boot please <laughs> just like i'm sorry like i'm just gonna say it stop licking like, the pixie dust off the heels of the mouse like jesus christ 
like I'm not even gonna, I'm not going to claim that all of the Disney ma- the Renaissance stuff are these pure masterpieces that people claim they aren't. They aren't. They they're Disney cartoons. They're cute and they're fun and they're good. They're better than most cartoons at the time. But it's just like fucking chill, people, please. Yeah. This is like it's it's fan it's insane fan people that have gotten us into this mess in the first place. <laughs> Disney is an all powerful monopoly now because of rabid fans. Yeah, uh, lots of work goes into those, but again, coming from someone who's just done this deep dive into a lot of it and has now seen all but one of the 90s ones, uh, I think if it was not for the music put together by Macon and Ashman and, you know, that group, if it wasn't for the music, I don't think these films would have done as well because, you know, my my favorite is still 51's Alice in Wonderland, and then after that it would have been, I think, like Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin or something, but now I think it's Hercules because I think it's the most artistically creative like we've been we've been on a kick for you know greek mythology stuff lately haven't we we really have been i i, I don't know not only is them the, greeks man not only is the soundtrack to that movie uh good but i i said when i watched it i think it's it's the most uh it it's creative it's uh it artistic it's colorful you know and that can be said for a lot of them but at least it, you know it, it makes uh less obvious choices <laughs> in its representation by going for like its styles and its themes. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yep. Um, so, uh, we're, I'm, Lord, we're pretty Lord. much at the end of the show. There's one other thing I wanted to mention. We're not flip flopping. It won't be a huge topic. Uh, one yep. more thing I did like about the 2019 version. I don't know if you caught it or not, but I noticed that the Arabian Nights song at the beginning of the 19 film that Will Smith sings um, uh, is not just the Arabian Nights from the original movie, but it's actually the Arabian Nights from the Aladdin television series uh, oh, that aired yeah. on Toon Disney and whatever, because it has the lines of like, uh, take off and take flight, we'll shock and amaze. And I can just see in my mind like Iago getting electrocuted. From the uh, title sequence, that song, I th- I thought that was nice. Yeah, I think that's the one more people remember now. Mm-hmm. It's what those, I think. Those of. early TV shows, they really had it. Oh, they did. They they made it tell, with the exception of Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, Beast withstanding all of those '90s <laughs> Disney films, got a television series. Yeah. There was Hercules, there was Tarzan and Jane, there was Timon and Pumbaa. They all got it. <laughs> yeah, and they're all pretty good. Yeah, they, they, they're pretty decent for television animation, yeah, I'll say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my last little thing that I just wanted to get out there. That's something that I did I did like. Gotcha. Got any uh, recommendations for similarities? Ooh, interesting. Um... This time around, I actually have a fair number, if only because, like, mostly, like, the director, but I have a one for the, you know, film itself. Okay. Uh, I'll just give a few. Um, not too much on them. So, I'm a big fan of, like, schlocky, stupid horror. So, if mm-hmm. you want something else, uh, another feature film that Scott Weinger was in, who voiced Aladdin, <laughs> um, and he's not in a lot of feature stuff, he mostly does TV, um, there is a movie from the early 2000s, a horror movie called Shredder which is like a bunch of young adults go to this ski lodge over their holiday break. And there's like a man in a mask that's killing them all. There's nothing too special about it, but it's, it's fun, schlocky horror, whatever. And 
he's in it as a main character, and every time he screams, he just sounds like Aladdin, which is great. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> um, I will say uh, the director, one of the directors of the 92 Aladdin that you mentioned, John Musker, uh, he worked for Disney and did stuff with multiple other animated features, but he was, I think, the primary director uh, for The Great Mouse Detective, which was a dark oh. horse for Disney's 80s animation because... You know, if Little Mermaid hadn't come in clutch in 89 at the very end, I would say Great Mouse Detective is probably Disney's best film from that decade. Not that there's much strong competition, I know. But still, <laughs> that's fair. Still, it's a pretty good movie, and I talked about it on the podcast a couple months ago when I uh, first watched it, you know, for the first time. Uh, so hmm. go check that, that out. And lastly, something else I think I've brought up on the show before, but... If you want something really out there and artistically pleasing that borrows from the sort of Arabian Nights storytelling, then the Richard Williams film, The Thief and the Cobbler, that took three decades to finish, and even then it wasn't fully done, that is just... It has problems. They eventually... (laughs) And they released it with, like weird voice acting from like Matthew Broderick and all these other people. Uh, eventually that one was weird. Yeah. Eventually there was a recobbled cup put together that you can watch that gets rid of those voiceovers. Uh, some of the scenes that weren't finished, they add the storyboards into the movie so that you can see what the scene would have looked like. Um, Mm. and it has plenty of problems, but by God, is it just amazing to look at? There's like a five minute scene of this evil army marching, and there's a cannon that shot out and it, it's going through like this Rube Goldberg of death. It's you can see why it took three decades and like killed people to work on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh, those are my suggestions. What about you? Um, I will say because like I bashed on Guy Ritchie a fair amount. I will say I actually do like him in his, a lot of his earlier films. And I think a lot of the stuff here kind of calls back to that. A lot of all his other work really is very serious. It's definitely no like kids movies or anything. His most famous one's probably Snatch, which is just a um, it's just a British crime drama. Um, but he definitely does better when he actually has less resources. The more CG he seems to be able to have access to, the worse the movie is. Because <laughs> um, like Snatch was you know maybe like late 90s but it's a very you know kind of subdued deal it's very it's got a lot of like very like british clever humor and everything that i actually personally love um and so i think that's really fun if you like kind of more kind of not necessarily it's well yeah it would be say a dark uh comedy um for the whole experience and it's kind of his editing style actually works there because it's meant to be like this whole chaotic thing of bouncing between like seven different characters when you get right down to it um of just like this whole chaotic mess that these guys have gotten themselves into um that and both of the sherlock holmes movies they are very very cool in their style uh a lot of people didn't really like the second one game of shadows all that much but i think there's a lot of sequences in it that make it very worth it there's a you know the scene that most people would know from it is up there all the characters are running through this forest as they're being like shot at by like you know like the German military and there's scenes of like trees exploding as, you know, shots are being like, you know, cannon shots are going through them. It's honestly one of the coolest scenes I've ever seen. Um, just all, just all on a technical level. And so like, and it's moments like those that Guy Ritchie really comes through, but 
beyond that, there's not a lot to like about him. <laughs> um, he had this one movie come out recently called The Gentleman, and it flopped so hard. Um, and it's just like it was like it had all this like fucking a list, a lot of a list people in it. Like Matthew fucking McConaughey was the main character. Um, but it's just like basically nothing happened in it. Um, so his earlier stuff definitely, or his Sherlock Holmes movies, I think they lend themselves very well to his style. As far as like a direct thing, you know, comparable to Aladdin, um, I've I'm sure I've mentioned them before on here, but there's a YouTube group called Star Kid who do parody musicals like they've done mm-hmm. one called trail to oregon where they do you know the oregon trail and it's like this whole funny thing they've done one called twisted which is meant to be kind of a rip on um you know wicked and so it's the story of aladdin told from the perspective of jafar and how he's actually a pretty decent dude and the whole big story of aladdin is actually be- just being told by aladdin who himself is a 33 year old creep and it's like this whole really funny sequence. It's like it's got this hilarious, and it's a musical as well. So it's it's the songs in it are hilarious. They actually kind of bring the one you know brief character like, like Prince Ahmed. I think his name was. Yes. He becomes the actual main villain of the story. <laughs> um, and there's a whole fucking thing where it's like a whole long sequence of like, he's like super myth that he got attacked by that tiger. And everyone's like, did he fuck a tiger? It's like, no, I just, I got attacked by a tiger. And it's just, it's, it's honestly hilarious. And I highly recommend it. All right. Perfect. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's such a dark horse of this, this little group. It's just like, yeah, no fucking, it's absolutely hilarious. And the Sultan in it, if you see it, is just like the best character ever. <laughs> he's so funny. It's yeah, it's it, it's a good one. I, I think it's leagues better than the 2019. <laughs> well, that's excellent. We'll have to we'll have to give that a watch then. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me. All right, I don't think we have any final thoughts on anything. Yeah, no, no, another season kind of wrapping up here, obviously. But you know, we'll get to the socials and I'll talk more about some stuff at the end there. Oh, all right, yeah. Um, so socials. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Go ahead and uh, email us at theyremadeit at gmail.com with any suggestions you may have for the show, uh, any thoughts, comments, feedback, interesting stories. I don't care. Um, Go ahead and follow us. Uh, Leave us some comments and likes on any of your podcasting platforms that you prefer. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbay, Podomatic, iHeartRadio, all those goofy ones that exist out there. We're probably on them at this point one day i'm gonna time you i'm gonna make you do those as fast as humanly possible <laughs> just to see how fast you can do them like a tongue twister i'll have to get a full list of them i think i say the main i think i say the same ones most every time but there are others that i just forget um spreaker I, did i say that i do not know. okay <laughs> you well, say a lot <laughs> <laughs> okay and uh lastly you know we're at it remade on twitter and at they remade and they remade it at instagram um or on Instagram, whatever, and I post, you know, updates to when the shows are going live, snippet of the podcast, the day that comes out, it comes out, uh, full circle things, movie suggestions that we've made on the show, uh, you know, just uh, posters for things that we said we've been watching, you know, all these different things that I put together. Uh, uh, possible future episodes, there's an abundance that <laughs> that I've posted, like, oh, we could cover this, we could cover this, and we haven't covered any of them yet, uh, which I've, yep. been, I've been trying to go out of my way to do that, just so it's like, I'm not posting, oh, we could cover the in-laws and then next month we cover it. 
So <laughs> I've been trying to uh, put that together. Uh, and that is it for socials. Yeah. And that kind of brings our season three to a wrap, at least with our official episodes. Um, obviously, I hinted at it earlier. And if you know, you're regular here, you know, we'd have an end of the year chat. Uh, you know, I imagine this time around, it might be a little more jaded feeling. Um, yeah. <laughs> this has been an interesting year, as everyone I'm sure is well aware by now. And I am probably going to talk some bullshit on, you know, like big companies and shit. So look out for that coming, you know, before the end of the year. Um, but yeah, that kind of wraps it for me. Yeah, obviously our our hands have very much shown the 2019 one sucks. Yep, that's that, that's <laughs> it's like, it. <laughs> it's fine, but it sucks. <laughs> oh, beautiful. God, what the fuck, Disney? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that that'll about do it for me then. <laughs> me as well. As always, I am your uh, lovable street urchin, Stuart, and I am Jacob, and only my fleas will mourn me. <laughs> Oh, what a send-off. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Coming right up. We have spices, golden camels, and spoons. Tiny spoons. Spoons. How do they make them that tiny? We have jams. Jam? Jams. Yes, jams. Yam jams. Fig jams. Yam jams. And, and date jams. Seedless. Delicious. Ex- exotic jams. Move away from the jams. What? We have jewels. Mm. <clears throat> jewels.